And today, and uh, man who got this privilege of meeting Jesus after his birth, uh, in Luke chapter 2, and uh, starting verse 31, it's uh, going to read kind of a long passage. You can remain seated. Every year, his, or excuse me, starting verse 21, on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Lord, thank you for this, this man, Simeon, and for his faithful waiting. And then your faithfulness in keeping your promise. In giving him this great privilege of seeing the Christ child. And today we don't get that same opportunity to see with our physical eyes, but thank you that through your word and your spirit, we can see Jesus too. Help us to see him clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. You're giving Christmas gifts, especially to kids, you kind of have that goal that they'd open up and, and there'd be a sense of excitement, a sense of awe, a sense of wonder. And it's great, and of course there's different reactions different kids will have, but it's great sometimes you have those kids who, boy, they'll open it up and their eyes will get big and they'll get excited. But in a way, God, he wants to give gifts and have that same kind of reaction. He wants us to be reacting with a sense of wonder. And we see in Simeon, here's a man who got a chance to, to see Jesus. He got this gift of seeing Jesus, and he was filled in a way like a child with wonder. And we see throughout this story uh, a wonder. And there's the wonder of Jesus' obedience. They were doing that day what good Jewish families did. They brought their firstborn to the temple. They brought him, as it says, on the, on the eighth day, the day that they were supposed to do it. And Jewish 
families were to bring their baby boy to the temple to be circumcised and to present the sacrifice. They did it, and in a way, it seems like an ordinary kind of thing. But really, it's extraordinary. It's a wonder that the Lord submitted to the law. Now, we might look at this and say, well, it's a baby. He has no choice. But yes, he's a baby, but he's also the son of God. He's the one who has existed before creation. And he, he could have said, no, I, I'm not going to have to do this. And his father certainly could have stopped all this. God the father could have said, no, my son doesn't have to do this. My son doesn't need a sacrifice, and he isn't. He's holy, he's perfect. He doesn't need to be brought to the temple for this. And yet... God the Father, God the Son, they permit all this to happen. They submit to the law. He did what the law said to do. And Jesus, from the beginning, he's doing what the law required. Even though he could have said, hey, that doesn't have to apply to me. I don't have to follow this. And we see in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, a story of where they, they come to Peter, and they ask Peter, are you and Jesus paying taxes? And they, they come, and, and Jesus says to him, he knows that Peter had this conversation, and so he starts to, starts to talk about it when Peter first gets in the room before Peter says anything. And he talks about kings of the earth, and he says, from whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. And what he's kind of getting at is the king's son doesn't pay taxes. And then Jesus says, and the children are exempt, Jesus said to him, but so that we may not cause offense. And then he tells Peter to go out and catch his fish and there's going to be a coin in his mouth and use that coin to pay the taxes. What Jesus is kind of getting at there, he's saying, I'm really exempt from having to pay the taxes. If I, the Romans can't tell me I got to pay taxes, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to submit to the law so that I don't cause an offense. Jesus' whole life, in a way, his whole walk on this earth was doing that. In Galatians chapter 4, it says, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. He was willing to come and submit to the law and, and follow it so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be set free. We give thanks for his willingness to submit to the law. In Brazil, at least some of the folks that I would ride with, they, they said that stoplights were kind of advisory. <laughs> they weren't necessarily, they didn't view the red light as being a mandatory thing. And some Brazilians, then when they'd be in the States and they'd be sitting at a red light, and especially when you're sitting at a red light and you don't see any car coming for a distance, it just, some Brazilians in particular, it just drove them crazy. They were sitting there thinking, why are we waiting here? Why do we have to submit to this stupid rule in their mind, this stupid rule that we got to wait till the light changes? Well, we get that with a lot of the law. We think, why do I have to submit? Why do I have to obey this? And yet Jesus willingly submitted for us. And the Lord showed great humility. It's humbling to have to 
submit to the law. It's humbling to become ordinary. That day as he's being brought into the temple to everybody else except for Simeon and later his lady Anna, everybody else looked and just saw an ordinary baby and an ordinary mom and dad. It's humble to be ordinary, and yet he was willing to do it. And then they come and they present this sacrifice. And it says they brought a sacrifice of a pair of doves and and two young, they offered the sacrifice of a pair of doves or two young pigeons. We see in the book of Leviticus that that was the sacrifice that you made if you couldn't afford a lamb. Leviticus chapter 12, verse 8. It says, but if she cannot afford a lamb, she used to bring two doves or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. So God, is it there in Leviticus, he was saying, kind of having mercy on those who maybe didn't have a whole lot, who maybe couldn't afford to bring the sacrifice of a lamb when their child is brought to the temple. And so if all they could afford was two doves or two pigeons, then that's okay. Joseph and Mary, the fact that they just brought the two doves, it kind of indicates they weren't wealthy people. They weren't people who had all kinds of means and could afford to sacrifice a lamb. Jesus could have chosen to be born in a different home. God could have had him in a home that had a lot of wealth and a lot of creature comforts and a lot of material things, but God chooses to have him be born to an ordinary family that just brings the ordinary family sacrifice to the temple. He's born into the ones that couldn't afford the big sacrifice, and all they could afford was, in a way, the the poor person's sacrifice. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it's speaking of Jesus. It says, Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Here's some enter the new year and their goal is, is riches. Get as much as they can. We look at Jesus and we see one who was rich, who had all the riches there is, and yet he was willing to be a child in a poor family, doing that so that we can have true riches, the riches of God. They couldn't afford a lamb, but they were bringing to the temple the lamb. And in a way, this whole story is is pointing ahead to what Jesus was going to do at the cross. In another place where it points ahead to what Jesus did at the cross is in the story of Abraham and his son Isaac as God instructs him to go up the hill and, and then he had told him to sacrifice Isaac and then God said, no, I see your faith and your obedience. As they were going up the hill, Isaac asked his dad, where's the lamb? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb. Mary and Joseph couldn't afford a lamb to bring to the temple that day. In a way, that's a picture of all of us. We can't afford the sacrifice that is really required to try to satisfy the demands of the law, the sacrifice that's really necessary. We we can't do it. 
It's beyond us, no matter how much worldly wealth we have, we can't afford what is needed. But God himself provides a lamb, and that baby that they were bringing to the temple, in a way, yes, they didn't have a lamb to bring to the temple, but they were bringing the lamb of God, who is going to be the ultimate sacrifice. It's a wonder what he was it's a wonder of his willingness to obey. And there's also in this story the wonder of God revealing Jesus. Simeon, as we get introduced to him, he's called this devout man. But he also seems to be, to everybody else, pretty ordinary. God saw him as extraordinary because of his devotion, his faithfulness, but it it appears nobody in the temple was really paying a whole lot of attention to Simeon. He was maybe a guy who was there in the temple every day and people just said, oh yeah, that's that's that old guy over there who's always around. But God chose to reveal to him this amazing truth. God lets us know what he is doing. God's spirit was on Simeon. Simeon was waiting for the fulfillment of the promise and he had received in some way or another, he had received the specific promise that he wasn't going to die before he got to see the Messiah. We're not told exactly how did God make that clear to him or what's why that is, what's it all about. But somehow God made clear to him, you're going to see the Messiah. And Simeon just keeps hanging on. <laughs> And he maybe started to wonder, when is this going to ever come true? When am I going to really get to see the Messiah? And then one day it happened. This is an example of how God is gracious and he's willing to, to let us in on his plans. And he's willing to reveal truth, truth that is a mystery to the world, but God will reveal it to his people. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9, says he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. It's his good pleasure to reveal the mystery, the mystery that God has taken on human flesh and he suffered and he died in our place on the cross. That's a mystery to the world, but he's willing to reveal it to us. In Ephesians 3, it says the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit. People of other generations didn't get to see Jesus, but Simeon, he gets to see him. And we are blessed with his word, and we get to see the mystery of God's plan. In a way, it's like a, a kid who's kind of trying to get a look into the box or a look at, behind the wrapping paper, and he's wondering, what is it that they're giving me? was Simeon, in a way, God is opening up the box. And what happened that day in the temple was God graciously opening up the box and saying, here, Simeon, I'm going to let you look. I'm going to let you see the mystery of what I'm doing. I'm going to let you see this great gift that I'm giving to the world. God opens it up for Simeon to see it, and he opens it up for us to see us. And God guides us along the way. It says, Simeon was moved by the Spirit, and so he went into the temple courts. It's not a coincidence that he was there at the time Jesus was there. God directed it. The temple courts, though, it's 
there was a big area. It was a big area. There were a lot of people around there. There were probably all kinds of different couples and, and babies around there and people. And the idea of just happening to bump into them. And yet God guided him. So Simeon ended up crossing paths and coming and finding Mary and Joseph because God caused him to be there at the right place at the right time. God is able to guide us. And he guides and directs us so that we're in the right place at the right time. In Proverbs chapter 3, in verse 5 and 6, he says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. God promises in this new year, he'll direct your paths. If you're willing to trust in him, if you pray and you ask him to guide you, God says he will. In Isaiah 58, in verse 11, he says, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. The Lord guided Simeon, and Simeon was, was open to God's guidance. He was willing to go, and if he felt God was guiding him, saying, you need to be in the temple courts today, then Simeon went. He dropped his plans because God was directing him to go into the courts. And so he went. At times we might wonder, you know, how did we get here? We might wonder, what am I doing here? <laughs> why, why does God have me in this place at this time? Simeon could have wondered that maybe when the day started. But then he found out, okay, God has me here for a purpose. And God directs our lives too. And there's times where we might wonder, what am I doing here? Why, what's God have me around? But Trust that God has you where he has you. He has you living in the neighborhood you're living in for a reason. He has you interacting with the people that you interact with for a reason. God has you here at this time in this place because he has a purpose. He has ways he wants to use you, things he wants to reveal to you, things he wants to do through you. Simeon, there was a reason for him to be there, and there's a reason for us to be here as well. And God is willing to show us Jesus. God had Simeon there at the same time as this family, so that Simeon could see Jesus. And in a way, this, this story is all about, in a way, God being a proud father who wants to show those who will appreciate it, he wants to show off his baby. A friend who, uh, Lois Grothy, got to see her first grandchild uh, just before Christmas, and she was quite willing to post a picture of her, uh, of her first, uh, first grandchild, and she's quite willing to show to hold the, all the world, look and, look and see the baby. In a way, God even more so. God the Father was willing. He wanted Simeon to meet the baby. He wanted Simeon to see. He wanted the shepherds to see so much that he sent the angels to go announce to the shepherds, hey, let them know they need to go see the baby. And God as well, he continues to be that way. He wants everyone to see his son. He wants to reveal his son to everyone who is willing to, to have eyes to see. When it came time 30 years later 
for Jesus to, to be baptized by John the Baptist. He, he was, and then after he was baptized, a voice came from heaven and said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God the Father is saying, This is him. See him. Listen to him. He is the one I am pleased with. We rejoice that the Father is pleased with the Son, and the Father wants to reveal the Son to us. It's a wonder that we get to see Jesus. And it's a wonder what Jesus will do. Simeon, he knew that this appeared to be an ordinary baby. But God had revealed to him that this wasn't an ordinary baby. And that he was going to do things that were beyond what anybody else had ever done or ever would do. Jesus turns things upside down. Simeon said he'll cause the rising and falling of many. He's saying he's going to impact fortunes and destinies of people. He's going to be a revelation and it's not going to be just Israel. It's not going to be just that little corner of the world. It's going to be, as he says, it's going to be for the Gentiles as well. It's going to be some, he's going to do things that are going to impact the whole world for, for all the rest of history. Parents often are thinking their kids are, are destined for big things. But Simeon tells these parents, your child is destined for things beyond any other child. He's going to be the savior. He's going to be the one who's going to be causing uprising and upheaval. And, and he says he's going to be spoken against. He's going to upset many. And then he warns Mary. He says there's going to be a sword that will pierce your own soul as well. He's letting Mary know, okay, you're going to have some tough things too. And it was tough, had to be tough for Mary to to be watching her son hanging on a cross, suffering and dying on a cross. And in a way, Simeon is maybe here pointing ahead to that. First Corinthians 1 and verse 23 says, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called Christ the power of God. St. Christ, what he came to do and what he did at the cross, to some it's a stumbling block, to some it's foolishness, but to those who believe it's the power of God. Simeon was making clear that day, and Paul makes clear to the Corinthians, Jesus isn't one who it's just you can be neutral on. He isn't one who just makes some people a little bit happier, but doesn't offend anybody. No, that's, that's not Jesus. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 12, after a miracle that Jesus did, it says this amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like Jesus and we never will. Simeon knew that, may we know it as well. There's a historian at at the end of the millennium, they were asking historians about who they viewed as the most influential people in history. And this one historian, when he was asked a question, he looked kind of oddly at the one asking the question, and 
And he said, well, you mean besides Jesus? <laughs> because he, he thought, well, it's, there's, no, there's no question who's most influential. Jesus is clearly the most influential one of all of history. There's a question who comes second, but there's no question who's first. Jesus is one who turns things upside down like nobody else. And Jesus brings salvation. Simeon was holding the, ba the baby and he said, My eyes have seen your salvation. Now we might say he's just looking at a baby. But he knew it had been revealed to him by God that this baby was going to be the one who was going to be the Savior. This baby was going to save his people from their sins. That was the announcement made to the shepherds. They were told, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Jesus is many things, but most of all, he's the Savior. That's the meaning of his name, as, as Joseph was told, you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He does that by coming to this earth and then going to the cross and paying the debt for our sins. He saves us from our sins. The temple, they, people were going into that temple that day and each day. They'd go in and they'd make the sacrifices, like we said. Some would bring a lamb, some would bring the doves or pigeons, and they'd make the sacrifices. They hoped that would pay for their sins. And then later they'd do it again, and they'd do it again, and they'd do it again, and they, they never really had a certainty, is this bringing salvation? Because the whole sacrificial system really was to point ahead to Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. And yet, there still can be many at times who are doing religious things and they're, they're doing things like what Mary and Joseph did that day. And, and Mary and Joseph, though, they were doing it out of obedience, but they weren't thinking that was bringing salvation. But there are many who are doing that kind of thing, thinking, well, maybe this will please God. Maybe this will get God to like me. And maybe this will take care of my sin. If I do enough of this, it'll take care of my sin problem. They come and they still have this debt because the sacrifices never take care of the debt. But the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, that's debt settlement. That's a sacrifice that pays the debt in full for all of our sins. And now we can be saved. And because of Jesus, we can be at peace. Simeon was holding the child and he got to see the Messiah. And then after that, he says, now just, you, can, you now dismiss your servant in peace. He was ready to go. He'd been holding on because he had the promise he was going to get to see the Messiah. He was longing for that. Now he gets to see him. And now he says, dismiss your servant in peace. Simeon wasn't nervous or worried or anxious or fearful. He was at peace because he had seen Jesus. And that's for us as well. When we see Jesus, 
when we know him, when we see that he's our salvation, then we can be at peace with God and we can have the peace of God. We can rest that the God has come to save his people. And so no matter what's going on, we can be at peace. The angel declared to the shepherds on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. His favor rests on those who are trusting in Christ. And he says, peace. And many as they enter a new year, they're doing like this, this cartoon where they're standing at a distance around the corner, kind of opening up the door, a little fearful what might be up ahead in this new year. There's much reason to be anxious about the new year. Election year... Both sides, the one thing that unites both sides is they're fearful. <laughs> uh, there's fears about what's going on with the wars in Israel, the war in Ukraine. There's all kinds of other things that can cause us to be a little wary in entering the new year. But we look at Simeon. We see Simeon, and he's entering a new phase of his life, and he's at peace about it. And God wants us to not be entering the new year from a distance afraid that it's going to jump out and get us. But he wants us to enter the new year with a peace that God has good plans, he's in control, and he's going to enter the new year with us. So we're at peace with him. In Philippians chapter 4, he says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It transcends understanding. No, if it was just worldly understanding, yes, there'd be great reason to be fearful about the new year. But God gives a peace that transcends the understanding and a peace that guards our hearts and our minds. Because we know no matter what the new year holds, God's going to be holding on to us. And so we enter the new year with great hope in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we can be at peace like Simeon was. Thank you for his example, for that peace that you gave to him. And thank you that you graciously want to give us that kind of peace as well. And you graciously want to reveal Jesus to us. We pray that we'd have eyes open to seeing what you want to reveal to us. In Jesus' name, amen.